0: who it is that's right it's you and you've tuned in to the super show podcast episode number 175 i'm your host for this week jamie and joining me as ever with his swooshing windswept hair and his clark kent glasses mr alex jones how are you sir i am very good thank you for having me for joining me on this uh wonderful monday for another live episode of the super show it's weird. I wasn't sure what I was going to describe about your look today when I was throwing it over to you. And it's one of those things. you know when you see someone's face at least once a week for the well, I'd say ten years now, ten years plus, as we have one another. Sometimes you're just like, okay, I'm going to take take a step back and I'm going to make an observation about you. And you're just your hair is looking very luscious today. That's what I wanted to say. I thank you. Do you know what I need?
1: I think feel like I need some an opinion. Okay. So, I want to cut the hair because the hair is too long. It's epic. Look at this. If I, do, if I do this, look how long that is. I'm not far from 40 now, right? And I constantly oh. see people talking online about, like, losing their hair and stuff. And guys have a real thing about losing their hair. My my dad is uh, he's almost 65. He's still got quite a good head of hair on him. So, I'm like, should I take advantage and keep the hair? Should I be leaning into the hair and, like, let it grow? Because, you know,
0: right. I can, or... Just keep cutting it like I normally would. This is the question. Uh, I'd say just kind of like, don't treat it like it's something that's going to necessarily go and just kind of keep living your life. But then again, we also, I don't know if you remember who this is without me having to name them and dox them, but we worked with someone back in the day who I think reached a point in their life where they were worried they might lose their hair and so intentionally grew it out to almost, not to counteract it, but to have the experience of having long hair once in their life. And I think they actually liked it enough they. Kept it for at least a little while. I a heck... fellow editor of ours. Who spent some time down under. Oh. Or whereabouts. Oh. Did, was he worried about losing it? Well, okay. I don't think he was worried about lo- I think he just got to that point where he was like, you know what, I'm in my mid-30s. I might not be able to grow my hair when I want to in the future, so I'm going to do it now. So kind of the kind of what I'm thinking now is like, should I yeah. should I be trimming it off?
1: Um, I don't think it's going to like disappear anytime soon, but there's always the opportunity. Maybe I should be going, no. I'm going to have an illustrious head of hair. Um, I won't. I'm going to cut it. It's because it's too hot. It's so annoying.
0: There's that too. Yeah. Plus, I think you're one of, uh, This just sounds like uh, the Alex Jones flattery hour. I apologize, Jonesy, for putting you on the spot uh, this early on. But I, th- I think you can pull off kind of short and medium length hair. Um, Thank you, sir. So just, just roll with it. And I remember seeing your dad on that one live stream you did where you tried to... Uh, land a plane in in a flight simulator with a real life pilot sat opposite you, yeah. and you screwed it off the runway. um And if yeah, if you're in that shape in your mid sixties, then you've got nothing to worry about. He, uh a, a video game adjacent, he did his last sim the other day. Really?
1: Yeah. So yeah, I think it's probably the same world over. When you get to sixty five, you can't be a pilot anymore, like a commercial pilot. Oh. Um, they have, you won't get a medical, basically, so, like, you have to stop. Gotcha. Um, I think there are some, like, some routes you can, but you can't fly, like, com- people commercially. So, yeah, he said he's done his last ever sim, because um, they do them every six months. And so, yeah, he won't, he'll be 65 before he'd need to do another. So, well, sad times
0: for me, can, old dad. Yeah, sad times, but congrats to him, in a way, I guess, you know, making it a full career in, in, in flying, in piloting, and, and unscathed, you know.
1: I'll have to get him a Game Pass so he can play um, Microsoft Flight Simulator.
0: I mean, I feel like there have been people who have done that transition in the past and become like wildly. There must be someone out there who went from train conductor to train simulator streamer and is just raking in money. I don't know where they are. They're probably German. I've I saw I've watched the Sims. The, the, the
1: what would you call it? Like the sim. What do they call it? Sims. Like where they um they pretend to be the actual things and it's like it's like a simulation as opposed to like playing the game on Microsoft Flight Simulator and they take it yeah. so seriously and there's people who are being the flight control
0: tower people yeah i've seen some of that stuff yeah
1: that blows me away cuz they've never done it professionally but they're like so good at and they just sit there for hours in game landing planes
0: yeah. i'm sure i watched a uh, compilation at some point of like pilots arguing with um like the flight con- what are they called the people that sit in the tower that tell you if you can or can't land yeah like, isn't it flight like, controllers flight, controllers. Is it flight control I feel like there's a yeah, but whatever it was, I feel like I saw them arguing once. Like, air traffic controllers is the other air thing. traffic control. Air traffic was the term I was trying to re- uh, trying to remember, but um, you know what, Jonesy, going back to the hair, it's it's an open forum. Uh, we make that choice when we decide to record this podcast, but I also actually broadcast out live on YouTube, and that means while we are technically here to give our opinions and our hot takes on video games, the people are just as capable should they desire to leave their hot takes on anything about us which I, I, i'm not going to say should exclusively about be about our appearance but if there are thoughts or suggestions they have fashion advice hair tips um grooming you know words of wisdom then uh, uh the the kind of the you know the the hair grooming that's not, not, not the let's keep it let's keep it pt here folks um but they can do so in all kinds of places like i said we're on youtube you can head over there, watch the vod of this, or even catch the live stream if you're in time, because we do go live every Monday evening in the UK. You can leave a comment in the comment section, or if you make it to that live stream in time, you can join in the chat. I'm sure Jonesy's keeping a keen eye on it already. We'll check in on that crew in just a moment, but I would also like to say that we are available on certain social media websites like X. So, if you want to let Jonesy know what you think about his hair, you can let him know at Super Show Pod is the handle over there. And of course, we are available on major podcasting platforms, places like Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts. You can head over there. You can get the audio version of this very product. You can leave a five star review, even if you feel so inclined, and you would be a welcome and celebrated member of the Super Show community. We thank you for your engagement. Uh, and Jonesy, we touched on it the live stream folks have we got a couple of names helping us hold down the fort this evening
1: well i've got one for you today uh it's pretty quiet in the chat is jack uh martinka shout out to jack he says oh, glad, to to jack. He live. Um, glad to be live yeah absolutely I, I like going live i like knowing that people are watching we've got a few other people watching who are just uh lurking at the moment which is all good as well we love a lurker
0: i've been yeah. there many times i i am one most of the time it's like 't I'm not gonna say I'm like a record setter when it comes to the ratio of twitch viewership to lack of commenting but I'm I'm I, I must have twitch on for like tens of hours a month um which again is probably paltry compared to the people who are obsessed but I, I never type in anyone's chat this just not my thing it moves too fast and I don't understand emojis anymore that's, no, that's my old person thing I'm jo- no I'm love that you said that because I
1: feel like that and the fact that you feel like that and you're younger than me and you're more with it than I am, means that I don't feel as bad. Um, I like it when I I go and see people who are smaller streamers. Like, I like to watch Robin from uh, the Just Interesting guys that he streams sometimes, for... because there's um, maybe like, can't try, maybe like 10, 12 people chatting, and it's a lot more manageable. And the meme image is, isn't as low, high, and the emoji use is not as, not as high either. So I feel like I can interact. Inter-
0: yeah. Well, it's like, I feel like we all sign this sort like, unseeable unknowable contract this invisible contract with each other well when we step into the digital frontier and engage with other people online occasionally there are going to be learning experiences along the way and whether that's like uh, like vocabulary that we need to learn or acronyms that we need to learn and you know but the goalposts are always moving and that's why you get people now who are probably in their 60s who think they're hip and trendy for knowing what omg stands for for us like there was a bit of a shift when emojis in the mobile world got not just accepted, but ultimately integrated into operating systems like iOS, where now you can, you know, respond to a fucking paragraph of text with a thumbs up and people get, and people aren't offended. It's just like, that's common (laughs) nomenclature for some people. Where it gets weird is because there's so much room for custom emojis or emoticons or whatever you call them uh, on Twitch. Like when you get into W and S, and I'm like, especially just hearing those things said out loud, I'm like, okay, that's probably an image of a frog, Uh, and he's probably pulling a face, but I don't know what that face is yet. I'm still learning.
1: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. But there you go. It's all a learning experience, isn't it?
0: Yeah, we promise we'll get there eventually, folks. If we ever venture back onto Twitch, we'll have a full set of custom reactions that you can spew, and it'll all just be that various faces, the frog pulls, but it'll be Josie.
1: We, we We just got an emoji. A little uh, thumbs up from Jamie McCarroll in the chat. So there you go. He's,
0: he's... No, they were, see, again, they say as picture speaks a thousand words. I'm sure at the time they were talking about, you know, grand tapestries and, and fucking all, you know, when they painted the entire ceilings of buildings. Nowadays, uh, that refers to thumbs up and hearts. Um, I, do you get this? So our work stuff, when we, we don't really use email, we use
1: chat like to speak to people. But you'll get like a thing from HR where they'll say something to you, and then you'll, like, reply and chat, and then they'll just do, like, a love heart, because they're like, or yeah. they like, I don't like that. I'm like, no, I don't know you. We've, we, we've only Mm-mm. conversed, um, like, online, digitally, maybe a couple of times. I'm not quite sure where the love heart in the reply to this. Yeah. yeah. Especially if it's from HR. I feel like HR are the one. Not like anyone, like, any, any department. But HR, okay. <laughs> I have had one from HR. But I get it, like, because I do it as well. I'll do, like, a thumbs up, but... When it's started, and I get what they mean. It's usually like a female HR, not just HR, I keep saying HR, like a female member of staff would do like a love heart, because I know they just mean like, great, love this, but it's still just yeah. a bit random. It's like getting a kiss on oh. a message from uh, your boss or something, and you're like,
0: Muh. yeah, yeah. I got a sunflower earlier, which sunflower. I, I think is a, yeah, well, it, it might just have been a regular flower, but it looked like a sunflower from a distance. And I, I, I presume that's just a positive thing. Like, yeah, it sounds great, cool, it's a sunflower. Um, but I, I, you, you see, this is the thing. We need to kind of, like, bridge the gap sometimes between, you know, because we don't know exactly what that person is trying to say, but we just have to interpret it as best we can. It's like sign language. Mate,
1: Freud, Freud would have a hell of a time in this day and age because he would be making all sorts of hay about what the sunflower means.
0: Yeah. There's a chance that he'd have a field day trying to interpret emojis, but there's also a chance... Um, given just, you know, the statistical probabilities of various outcomes, that he'd be too busy playing video games like Baldur's Gate 3 to give a shit, Josie, Because that is supposedly what most of planet fucking Earth is doing. Um, this is, I'm doing you the fire emoji, because that was a fire transition. Oh, see, I can, now that you called it a fire, I can see it, but for anyone that doesn't have the video version of this podcast in front of them, Josie just started wiggling <laughs> four fingers in front of me, which most people would still just interpret as you were trying to communicate the number four. For some reason. Yeah. Do you know what? I won't read into it too much. Um, not everything has to have a double meaning. Uh, but, yeah, he probably would be playing Borders Gate 3 because, as I said, most people on planet Earth appear to be. Uh, Sometimes it feels like the only two people not are the two people who have chosen to sat here tonight and talk to you about it, which is myself and Jonesy. So that's the early heads up that you're going to get on this one that we are venturing in from a... We're, like, we're taking a step back. We're taking, you know, we're looking at the third-person perspective of *Borders Gate 3. What it's like to be someone who isn't a part of one of the biggest video game zeitgeists of the year. Um, as I guess caused initially by what was a uh, a, cre- a slowly creeping and increasing Metacritic rating, Jonesy, which is now landed at 97, that makes it the highest-rated game of the year, I think. was It, uh, it does, yeah. It was... Tears of the Kingdom was was the other one in the running. Am I right in thinking that? Yes, and it's it's yeah, it's just gone ahead of Tears of the Kingdom now. There you go. Uh, different story over an open critic though, because there it has become the highest rated game of all time. Which is, uh, in mean, look, I, let's be real, that's pretty good game. Yeah? I think if you were going to set a target for your hot new video game, that's not a bad target to aim for. Um, but Josie, we the other thing to talk about is the number of people playing it. Um currently second place on Steam's most played games with 650,000 players. Um, What's, I think, really impressive is that the number of people, the number of concurrent players, appears to be sometimes, like, going up. Like, I think, I can't remember the exact numbers, but it looked like the concurrent players were higher in Week 2 than they were at points in Week 1. So this is kind of this slowly growing behemoth that at one point sort of, like, stumbled its way into the top 10 for kind of record concurrent players. And is now, as we said, in contention for. I think it's really just Hogwarts Legacy that's standing in the way at the moment of this being one of the biggest video game events of all time, which I don't know that anyone saw coming a few months ago. I yeah, no, I, I was absolutely baffled by this. So I think it was,
1: was I think there was a, a point in the week um, when over a twenty four hour period, I'm pretty sure that twenty five percent of all uh, concurrent players on Steam were playing. Baldur's Gate 3 and it was the biggest game on there for 24 hours. I think because um I think CSGO is is basically always the top of that list. Um right. always has the most. Uh and I believe that Baldur's Gate actually got ahead of it at one point. Um but no, I'm with you. Like we were talking about this game for quite a while. Uh I actually joked to you that I know someone who worked on it and I hadn't really mm-hmm. thought about it that much. Um uh because we said, Oh, it'd be cool to actually speak to them about it. And i thought, oh well, Baldur's Gate 3. Not really, it can, my cup of tea. Probably won't bother. And then now it's gone absolutely stratospheric. And now I'm feeling a bit stupid. Could have got a little bit of an insight into that whole development process, um, and
0: didn't. So there you go. Stupid, and also inevitably with these kind of things, a little bit left out, right? Like you just want, you you want to have a you want to you want to have a take. So do you want to
1: know? More? I think my closest uh, point at which I've come to knowing what it's like to play Baldur's Gate three is probably. Uh, the tabletop RPG that you and Chris did when, in the ATG days and we played some uh, D&D adjacent r- tabletop RPG. Well, I can't remember what it's called. Oh, the Summoner, I believe. We sort of made our video own tour. Well, it's yeah. a series of books because it, it is a series of books. A sponsored video. But, but it, was, it was the closest I've come to like Dungeons and Dragons and like proper RPGs. And this, by all measures, apparently seems like it does a really good job of capturing tabletop RPGs in game form rather than just pretending you can attack things things from different directions seems that the, people are actually really enjoying the fact that this game allows you to have that freedom and to actually play a game the way an rpg should be played
0: yeah especially because i feel like you and i are, can be a little bit set in our way sometimes in terms of the kind of games not necessarily the kind of games we don't want to play oftentimes the kind of games that, no, excuse me not necessarily the kind of games we do want to play but sometimes the kind of games we don't want to play like, I joked with some guys in our Discord earlier in the week that, like, there's a Limmy clip that I like from when people are trying to get him to play Balls Gate 3 where he sees the numbers in the trailer in a review he's watching. Um, I think he's watching ACG's review, and he goes, like, oh, fuck numbers! And, like, just closes the tab immediately. He's like, I'm playing Dead by Daylight, um, which is not what I would resort to. I don't, you know, Dead by Daylight, that's tweaks their own, right? Um, but but
1: yeah, I'm I with him. The numbers thing, I'm totally, I'm like... You know I'm like numbers coming out heads. Don't like that. Numbers
0: on cards, cards in games don't. And like there that. are numbers, but there is a flip side here, and this is the flip side that eventually got me to try, and I, I know eventually got you to try Disco Elysium. Mm. And that was a game that worked for both of us, which is that okay? Like this many people can't be wrong when it comes to Baldur's Gate's ability to capture the true open-endedness and variety of choice, and like story impact and. So on and so, every outcome and eventuality that tabletop RPGs traditionally offer, because you know, I know it's a bit lame to say something cliche like the only limit a tabletop RPG is theoretically the imaginations of yourself and the people around you, but like a game that gets closer than any game has before to that promise is appealing, no? Numbers aside, it's it's ironic because I'm I'm completely with you.
1: Um, Disco Elysium was a game that I wasn't interested in. Uh, and then I believe, it as you talking about it and having such a good time with it, and I know Steph really liked it as well. I believe, um, and I tried it, and then I really enjoyed it. Ended up finishing the entire game, and I ended up one of my only criticism of that game ended up being that I wanted more variety and what I could do because I yeah. I re I actually got to a point. I think I was I was right at the end of the game, um, and I I was like, oh, can I actually do things in more ways, or is it just trying to give me the the illusion? And it was definitely just trying to give you the illusion. There was one way. Um, you know you could end up with certain people i think you could like someone could be dead who's not kind of thing but at the cool. end of the game but you couldn't actually have avoided a situation you're always going to end up at the same point um you always had to end up doing a certain thing but yeah no i, I i'm i'm keen to sort of have a, a play of a game that really does give you the option to maybe don't have to fight you can go in there and you can negotiate or you can go and do um, you know, attack it multiple different ways. Which is Cyberpunk said that it was going to be that kind of game, and then kind of wasn't. Um, there was even a time when uh, uh, Dying Light Two said that it was going to be that kind of game, um, but less of the RPG-ness. Uh But it wasn't. You know, they became much more linear. Um, yeah. In, in how you have to how you kind of approach things. So no, I, I yeah, I, I think I want to play this game, Jamie, which kind of weirds me out a bit. So oh, yeah, I I'm, I'd I'm getting that.
0: there as well. And there's e- there's even co-op, right? So like if you and I did decide to play it, we could theoretically play it together, which again, like that's just one extra level to this experience that sounds from the outside looking in like almost incompatible with the degree of freedom and choice that the game offers you, but like fair play to them for making sure that was a fundamental to their gameplay mechanics. I also love that it's re, and I wonder if you've got a take on this, it's reignited the save scum debate. Have you seen this on Twitter?
1: Oh, uh, I can know, but I, I is, it, is it the idea that you before you do a roll or a decision, you save and then you can reload and redo it? Yeah, it? yeah no, I i don't like it. I'm not a fan. You, of you, you, but same how do you same feel same about same.
0: how that... Because I guess everyone's got their own opinion on it and whether or not they would do it. The thing that kind of ignites the debate is that some people argue that a game like Baldur's Gate 3 is a game where you should actually indulge or revel in things going wrong... Because things going wrong often leads to more interesting or funny or out there outcomes, and so rather than just like saves coming every time you don't get the die roll you're looking for, you should actually embrace it and see how the game reacts and how the story responds to something, you know, in inverted commas going wrong, but actually for the sake of the story it might be more entertaining. Yeah,
1: no, I, I, I I'm, I've no problem with other people doing it if they want to. Like, I don't, want I'm not going to watch you stream a game. If you're doing it, because it's not how I'd want to play, and I don't think it's the best way to do it. But I'm not. I'm not going to say you shouldn't do it. Um, but yeah, and I, I, if if you, I don't think it's like cheating or anything. Like if they really wanted you to not be able to do it, they could have implemented things in the game to stop you doing it. But we've and we've all been there to some degree. Like I don't. I wouldn't play an RPG like that. However, have I saved a game at choice moment because I knew that there was a possibility of a bad outcome? Yes, oh, I have done that before. Yeah, um, yep. so I'm not going to say that I'm completely
0: perfect when it comes to that. Yeah, even just cheats, right? Like, like you might rock up to a friend's house one day and they're playing a From Software game with a a trainer in the background that's got the giving them infinite health, and you could you. And most of us, even myself, as not a huge fan of the genre, would sort of sit there going like, huh, okay, like that's that's a choice, like to to engage with these games." In such a way, but that's also your choice. And like guess- as a from soft yeah. game,
1: I would say, a uh, fine, bit weird, but fine. And when you told me you'd finished, uh, like Demon Souls, I'd be like, no, you haven't. <laughs> you, <laughs> no, no, you haven't. But um, yeah, well, yeah. If it was an online game, like if I rocked up and someone's playing Warzone and they've got like wall hacking on or something, oh. I would, I would like if if I came to your your house and you were wall hacking on Warzone, I would be livid for one because I would be like. Yeah. That's why you're so much better than me. And then I would also be really annoyed. I'd start to get um, like fire and brimstone about how it's unfair to all the other people online and how you're yeah. ruining it for other people. Yeah, I, if it was an online game, I'd be a bit at oh, that Oh no, yeah.
0: That's a very important distinction. You're absolutely right. And like that, I think I'll stand with you on that unequivocally that like cheating in competitive or PVP multiplayer games to give yourself an advantage and ruin the experience for other people is going to be frowned upon in almost every scenario imaginable. Um, so don't do it. Um yeah. not least all because you'll probably also get banned or something like that. And then you lose your I I cheated in a um I cheated in a single player game the other day. Um, but it was one of these games that has a constant server-side connection. And I don't even want to know I'm t- like talking basically, um I play FIFA sometimes on my computer and I know there's lots of multiplayer components in FIFA, but I strictly play the career mode, which is a entirely single player, entirely offline. You know experience um but i use an editor to kind of like change stats and like make certain things happen in more interesting ways but because i'm like messing around with a game that has such a big online proponent and has anti-cheat and all this kind of stuff all the things when you're downloading and installing certain tables and whatnot are like yeah you might get banned for this please be careful and it scares the shit out of me every time is
1: it okay is it worth it then on a game like that like is it does it make that much
0: of a difference to how you play that it's worth getting banned or like you're you're just not probably not (laughs) yeah it's it's probably not worth it and yeah it's kind of that i'm not that bothered and i don't know i uh, put it this way like there are some really bad things that happen you know like in terms of cheating and in other regards when it comes to uh online components of games like fifa i always just think that if they've gotten to the point where they're banning a user for like altering a database entry in the single player career mode of a game then it's like did you really have nothing better to do i know you have something better to do please go and do that like um, yeah to me that's not cheating if if you if you've got something running
1: on your local system and then they've added in uh you know always online aspects to it i'm like well that's your own fault like it wasn't like you were going to mess with the online component Uh, you were going to do anything dodgy online anyway you know they didn't have to make that part always online
0: yeah. I think it's just like this the it's anti cheat is what you've got to be careful of, right? Like if it's the, if there's a some kind of software like running in the background or as a part of the, the game program itself that is constantly monitoring for external or third party applications that it doesn't like the look of, then I understand I might fall foul of that. But that's the risk I take to edit the potential uh, overalls of youth products from Chile in my FIFA career modes, okay? And that's yeah, that's that's my right. I used to, uh,
1: the way I used to play GTA Three was I used to play. Uh, I'd play it properly for like a couple of hours, and then I would put in like all the cheats to then just go mental. I'd yeah. s- I, I would I, so I would save it as we were just saying, and then I would put yep. in every cheat, go mental for like half an hour, then turn it off, and then when I came back, I'd play it properly again for a couple of hours, do exact same thing again.
0: Oh yeah, I, I feel like the, the 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 grand tradition of cheating in GTA. If you grew up in a certain era. That's, like ingrained in some people's brains and if you don't have like you know the the cheat for um you know it, uh, full health max armor and uh, max ammo or whatever like ingrained in your brain you probably had it written down on like a yeah. piece of paper that you folded up and put in the box or on the back empty page of like a cheat book that you got from a PlayStation magazine like we've all we've all been there i still uh,
1: the only ch- um i can still remember the cheat from uh hitman 1 I think it was right, for, okay. I can't remember what it even does. Maybe it's like infinite health or like all the weapons, but it's Kimbo Kastikin. I still remember that. Oh, it's, wow. That's a, that's I a don't know why I still remember. That's what it.
0: Yeah, I suppose it's one of those things that if you type out a lot, it's so unique, it probably would stick in your brain. Yes. The, the yeah, GTA, maybe. Yeah. The, the GTA ones I remember were famous for sticking in people's brains because Rockstar always made this really interesting choice to have a, a pretty solid suite of cheats that one could choose from that enabled you to obviously completely turn the game upside down. But the one thing they never did, to my memory or to my knowledge, at least correct me if I'm wrong, chat, um, was they never let you have like just straight up infinite health. You could replenish your health and you could replenish your armor, but there was never straight up like a god mode or anything like that in three Vice City and San Andreas. I don't. That, that. That's 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 my recollection. Which meant that you kind of had to remember that you know the the health and health and armor cheat. And type that in and be ready to. Because I remember there being like really tight situations in missions where you're like, how quickly can I get that final left down, right up, left down, right up kind of mushed in there um, before someone shoots me in the head? And never fast enough, as uh, was often the case. Um, anyway, I digress. Jodzio, I do just want to pick your brain on one more thing, if I may, or on the topic of Border Gate 3. I thought it was interesting that you mentioned perhaps certain titles like um, Cyberpunk and or Dying Light 2. Games are potentially overpromised and underdelivered when it came to the degree to which players can make choices, the uh, flexibility of those stories to potentially react to those players' choices. One thing that has been interesting in the aftermath of Borders Gate 3 has been some of the conversations that have happened on social media around whether or not gamers um, should be able to basically use Borders Gate 3 as the new bar to kind of measure future releases and future RPGs against whether that's a fair expectation to have, whether or not gamers are entitled by believing that all future RPGs from this point on should endeavor to be as good or as feature-complete or as flexible as something like Baldur's Gate 3. Um, the Twitter thread in question started when a game developer whose name, I'm really sorry, its this is a really tough one to pronounce, and I'm going to ask you to do it as well, so that we can suffer together. So, Zalavier, would you say? Yeah, I think I'd say Zalavier. Slavier Nelson Jr. It, the first uh, letter in that first name is an X, by the way, for anyone wondering. Basically, they argued that Larian took a massive risk in making Baldur's Gate 3, um, and the process used to build the game can't necessarily be replicated by other studios, even big companies. For reference, I think Larian have about 400 employees. That's something I heard midweek and didn't fact check, so I apologize if that's wrong, but that's the number I've got in my head. There are, of course, other plenty of other studios out there that have similar numbers and plenty of other studios out there that eclipse those numbers by many hundreds, if not thousands. Um, The quote was, or one of the quotes, excuse me, was trying to do the same thing in the same way, especially without the same advantages, could kill an entire group of studios. Um, The advantages in question being, and some of which have kind of been debunked, uh, the number of employees, the funding of the studio, and the strength the supposed strength at least of the Baldur's Gate IP, which, you know, I i question somewhat, but I kinda see where they're coming from. Um that said, it drew a lot of uh responses. Some people agreed with them, Jonesy. Uh other developers in fact from major studios like Obsidian, Blizzard and Insomniac agreed with Xavier. Many others though completely disagreed. Uh it was actually one of the more popular and well received IGN videos that I've seen in quite a long time was uh, a reporter or a journalist over there called Destin Legary basically doing a piece to camera explaining why, in his opinion, it was totally fair and reasonable for players to measure their expectations for future RPGs or just future titles in general or against something like Baldur's Gate 3 and this idea that, look, if Larian could do it, they could take the time, whether it was through the early access launch going back to 2020 and the three years of learning they did in that process, whether it was their approach to microtransactions, i.e. there aren't any, how feature complete the game is how polished the game is that one with an asterisk because i know some people have pointed out that certain parts of the game aren't super polished but you know basically that's been the argument is like is it fair to take you know one of the most well-received and now your highest paid rpgs of all time and say hey you know obsidian or you know bethesda game studios or or cd project red or whoever the fuck is next this is what you have to do now this is the level Yes. Yeah, I
1: mean, <laughs> nothing move on, shall we? <laughs> the, the only thing I would expand on is to say is, okay, let me be a little bit more like Fensity. If the devs who were saying that this isn't what you should expect, or if what they're trying to say is this isn't necessarily what you should expect from every RP, AAA RPG, then fine, because you might find that actually they're they're doing more, they're spending more time or they're you know putting more resource into something else in the game. And so you can't expect it to be as feature complete from the RPG front as Baldur's Gate 3 is. If that's what they're trying to say, I think that's absolutely fine and fair. Like you can't say I want my game to have everything and to be this. I get that. If they're saying like, no, like you should be able to expect this from games that, that are similar, but don't expect it from every RPG. But If they're saying that just like a company have done it, but don't ever expect to see this again from every, any other developer. Then I'm like, what? Like, no, you've, why should they be regarded as something that you shouldn't expect from a, a game of a similar, similar uh, caliber and style? Like, you, abs- mm. we, they've just proven that it's possible. I think one thing that is different now is I, I think a lot of the, um, there's quite a lot of uh, uh, dialogue responses that are, um, uh, like, have AI backing them up in Baldur's Gate 3 because there's so much dialogue. It's like, millions of lines of dialogue and things like that. So it, it wouldn't have been possible them to go in and like hard code absolutely everything in the game so some of it is procedural some of it like utilizes ai so fair enough if you want to say that this is a, a turning point and looking forward because of the tech it's going to be available and some of these devs haven't quite caught up yet with realizing you know what baldur's gate have done or what they've what larry have utilized yeah. to get the game over the line again fine but if you're trying to tell gamers that they shouldn't expect something which is been developed in four years by 400 people and is doing very well i think that's a lot of rubbish like why not
0: hmm what, what argument could be for example that obviously larian i i don't know how much about the way they operate but i know they published uh Bordersgate gate 3 themselves so it's like a fairly kind of like um like self-involved and kind of like self-contained process uh, i suppose there might be developers out there who work under big publishers where maybe there are certain other you know things that need to be considered whether it's the schedule where you know developers never feel like they're given the amount of time that they need obviously budgeting developers will often feel like they don't have the amount of money that they need maybe the hiring is never in place and so on and so forth like what if this was the response from someone who is a developer at say like Ubisoft saying hey I respect what and have done but you can never tweet shit at me because I work in a company or I work in a, a an ecosystem that will never l- allow us um, to make a game like this. And the actual reason is for corporate measures that I, that we can't, like we're, we are absolutely talented enough and, and uh, you know, and, and like experienced enough or whatever the metric you want to use to make something like this, but we work in an environment that will never let us. So don't, so don't, so please don't hold the next Ubisoft game or the next Microsoft Game Studios game to the same degree because it's not made under the same circumstances.
1: Ca- capitalism, baby. If your game can't, if Ubisoft can't do it because of the way that they operate, then someone else will come along and they will eat your lunch and they will do it for you instead, and then you will leave and go and work for uh, that company because they will make a lot more money.
0: Yeah,
1: um, like oh, it. I'm I'm, I'm I'm with you to some degree. Like, in, it, you can't change it inside a company you work from. I, that's fine. That's absolutely fair. So yeah, if, uh, I I take your point there. I'm being a little bit like flippant, um, but to say that I think the the some of these devs were kind of almost saying that the, t- the thread on X was kind of like, don't exploit gamers, uh, you're being too entitled if you think that this is something you're going to get in the future. I'm like, no, no. that That's like saying that you saw a really amazing film with amazing cinematography and then you expect other films to have good cinematography and other cinematographers tell you, well, I'm just, well, no, we're not going to do that. Like, yeah, but I can still say, oh, it's a shame you weren't as good as the other film. It doesn't mean that I should be expecting, you know, shit. Because that's not the way the industry is structured. Then the industry needs
0: to change. We're in a new era yeah. of RPGs, yeah. and you wonder if something like Border Gate Three could be the thing that initiates that change. Because, like before, if you were to ask, like you go back to that like hypothetical I gave about an RPG being developed at you know a publisher like Ubisoft, they might have said, "Well, actually, the team size or the budget or the schedule is restricted for budgetary reasons, and it's all tied into the bottom line." But when you look. At the way that this game is selling, Baldur's Gate Three, like there's no way on earth that this whatever process that has led Larry into this point hasn't been profitable. Whether it's the early access approach, whether it's the number of people that worked on it, whether it's you know, I I, I don't know what to, what circumstances they developed this game under or how much crunch they did or whatever it is, but like whatever, like no matter what it took to get them to this point, it has to have been profitable, and I'm sure more profitable than a lot of other you know games from major publishers recently. So. It's weird to know that this thing exists as something of an outlier, both in terms of its well, its quality in some respects, but also in terms of its like the process it took to get it to this point and how frequently we see that from essentially independent and self-published titles. Um and yet I don't think it's gonna be this like siren call to the Activisions and the Ubisoft's and the EAs of the world to change the way they do business. Like this is like there's no one at EA saying we got to learn a lot from these Larian guys about what, how we handle Bioware and the next Mass Effect. That's just not so. Yeah, and I don't know how I feel about that. It's, there's an inevitability to it that doesn't bum, bum me out that much because that's just the way the games work. But yeah, it's interesting. It, it is
1: interesting, and it will be interesting to see what the what the outcome is. Like, I can easily see how Starfield comes out, and there are people saying things like, "Well, the RPG elements weren't as good as." All this gate, the the yeah. way your approach wasn't. But then at the same time, th- those are they're going to be such very different games. Where one is, you know, obviously yeah. there's so much focus on with something a game like Starfield on, you know, world building and and massive like interplanetary travel. Like it's a massive part of game development as well. You they obviously don't just have the time to focus on one element. So I I think the games industry at the moment is probably the widest it's ever been. From you know we're happy to play um, like pixelated two D side scrollers. Uh, coming out of an indie yeah. dev and we're happy to play absolutely gigantic uh billion dollar um like rpgs that are incredible like we're, there's mm-hmm. scope from everywhere in between but what you can't do is to then drop a game which is going to be which completely underperforms and then say well it's not our fault games are too hard because yes we can see that Great. that's not necessarily the case um but it yeah but it, it is difficult and I, it's, <laughs> this is going to be a game you did not think i would mention uh, Redfall is, is a game that when oh, yeah. um, Microsoft and Jim Ryan were talking about, uh, to your point about the fact of like publishers and, you know, um, might Phil, stop- Spencer. Phil Spencer, sorry, might stop people from um, uh, doing what they really want to do. Like it was Phil Spencer who in an interview said, we will never stop a, a company developing uh, a product they want to because they want to change and do things differently and see if they can do a, a different sort of game, even if it means sometimes we fail. Because I think the point, the the quote in this um, from Z- Zalavier was um, they took a really big risk and they it paid off. But Phil Spencer said that um, who I can't remember who made, who was Redfall. Who was was um, I was um, Arcane. Arcane, Arcane. So what his point was like Arcane took a massive risk and it didn't pay off. But that's that's the other side of taking a risk, and it's not like they immediately wound up Arcane and said you're never making another game. Um, yeah, no, it's true. It's true. So, no, sometimes yeah. risks pay off, sometimes they don't. And in this instance, it paid off. So, yeah.
0: yeah. And, I, and I, I very much agree with your earlier point as well about, like, the degree to which future titles are going to be compared to something like Baldur's Gate 3. I actually think Starfield's a really strong example of a game that a lot of people are going to put that RPG label on, and rightly so. But at the same time, there, there is a bit of apples and oranges going on with Baldur's Gate 3 and Starfield, because even w- within a genre as broad and as all-encompassing as RPGs, you can you know, aim for different things and achieve different things and have strengths and weaknesses in different areas. And whilst there isn't a lot of conversation devoted to Baldur's Gate 3's weaknesses at the moment, because it doesn't really have any, um, or doesn't have many, like that conversation will grow in the future. That always happens in video games. And there's also just the other flip side of it, which is that not a question of what Baldur's Gate does, 3 does wrong, but what Baldur's Gate 3 doesn't do, or doesn't even try and do, yeah. because its focus is on these other areas of game design or other areas of game development or like I said everything that's encompassed by RPGs and you're totally right that like when we get to game of the year like Baldur's Gate 3 is going to be there and and fucking you know Tears of the Kingdom is going to be there and so on so like some of the best games of all time is going to be there but there might like there might also be some fucking indie title with a really you know at least visually simplistic art style that was made by a team of three people that you didn't like because it's got a story about discovering the sexuality and, you know, I know how much that triggers you and, you yeah, are your right-leaning tendencies. And I, I'll play it for you and I'll tell you how great it is and you'll you kind of roll your eyes. And that's just the way that our dynamic works. Um, but you're absolutely... And, and that's why... That's to to the point I was going to make. I actually think that when people talk about what they want huge developers to see in Baldur's Gate 3 that they replicate and stuff like that, it's not necessarily this... All-encompassing and really, you know, far-reaching replication of the tabletop RPG formula. It's not that they want every single game to give every player an, an unbelievable amount of options as to how they proceed through the story and an unbelievable amount of ways sort of reacting to those actions. I think it's some of just the fundamentals of Baldur's Gate 3 that some of which we've already mentioned, like the fact that, like, obviously, it went through an early access period, but that early access period was get, was Seemingly used quite well as an opportunity to let players get eyes on the game, improve the quality of the game, and get it to where it needs to be. They put, you know, a a, fucking, a flag in the sand or whatever the expression is. But when they wanted the game to come out, it came out. They've been very quick when it comes to hot fixes. They've been very communicative when it comes to what they're working on and and how things are going to improve in the future. Like a very constant and very thorough theory of communication. Which you I mean you mentioned Arcane earlier. Like that was the opposite of Redfall. We didn't know what was, we still don't really know what's going on with Redfall in some respects, many, many months later. Day, you know, Day Zero or Day One DLC or pre-installed DLC, and microtransactions, the level of polish and things like that, I think those are just the fundamentals that more people want to see replicated across AAA gaming that Baldur's Gate 3 is a pretty strong example of, as opposed to, it's not their way of saying, I need the next Madden game to allow me to, you know, pull the referee's trousers down and start sucking his dick <laughs> and it needs to be able to respond like perfectly to what actually happened if someone actually did that in real life like i don't think that's the takeaway here the takeaways there is like look at what a gamer-friendly approach and have taken to developing releasing selling this game i wish more studios did that too
1: yeah i think as well like we have to remember that a lot of games are given the rpg tag which are that they actually just have rpg elements like they're not trying to be full RPGs they're just trying to take some of that um just to, like make the game a little bit sort of more a bit fuller a little bit more dynamic and so yeah I'm I'm totally with you like if every game for the next 3 years was a clone of Aldersgate 3 and but and was really good uh we would all be saying like Jesus Christ give us some GTA give us uh like a Cod give us something give us something on rails where we have to do a specific thing but we get to shoot people in the face in real high fidelity and you know with some really nice Twitchy control. Like, it doesn't work if everything's the same. That's not what we're saying. It's, But it is, yeah. I, I think we're in agreement that to say that you shouldn't expect this level from another studio making a similar title.
0: Yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a silly statement. It's a silly statement. And I can understand why it might have come from a good place for certain developers who felt like they were looking out for or protecting other developers, especially in the social media environment we live in where making a bad game can get you death threats. And, you know, I think sometimes developers try to rally together around those kind of things, but I very much agree when it comes to like the fundamental meaning behind the original message and how it kind of missed the point um, in some respects. Um, And when it comes to the fundamental meaning of this podcast, the who's, what's, when, where's, and most importantly, why's of the Super Show, uh, really, for me, it all comes back down to money. And what better way to give us money than by supporting us on Patreon. Uh, You can head over and do so at patreon.com forward slash super show. And if you do head over to that link, what you'll find you'll be greeted with is a number of different tiers that you can pledge to a different amounts of money and a number of of different rewards that you shall be given in return for pledging at those various tiers. So if, for example, the idea of having access to a Discord server or being able to watch Patreon-exclusive podcasts or Patreon-exclusive videos or anything of that nature sounds interesting to you, then I implore you to head over to patreon.com forward slash supershow, take a look around, see if anything catches your eye or takes your fancy, and if you do feel moved enough to pledge uh, even a small amount of money, we would very much appreciate it, because it is uh, the sole reason and the sole way we are able to keep this podcast going um, and keeping it on the radio waves. I'm also very grateful to be able to say that some fine people have already head over to that link and seen fit to share some of their hard-earned money with us. Um, There are some names of some of those people on screen right now. Huge shout-out to all of them. Thank you all very much. Um, But I'd also like to give a personal shout-out, if I may, to Aaron Cameron, Athletic Gravy, Brimstone, Cole K, I-Start Rock Salt, Jesper Camdahl-Nielsen, Leo Merger, Mindful Pig, Mr. Anthropic, Pastors Guild. And then, of course, we have... The Big Dogs, The Head Honchos, The Members of the Board, Brett Z, aka Shellshock, Geometric Potter, Hacksaw Book Read, Manuel Guerrero, and Peaswad. Again, all joking aside, thank you all so, so much. I know we say it every week, but that's because we mean it every week. Uh, Patreon is genuinely genuinely the thing that keeps this podcast going. It's the reason uh, Jonesy and I are back here every week doing something and putting something out into the ether, even when there's not that much that comes back from the other direction it's the way that we know that some of you out there uh would love to keep to love to see this thing carry on going and so we're going to oblige right absolutely oh yeah um and on that note jonesy uh why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself i will it's like a dating video <laughs> how old are you how tall are you hello i like do, long legs like, yeah. on the beach
1: there it is and holding hands and splitting the bill 50 50. Uh, <laughs> oh, wow, the modern man uh, I'm going to be really brief this week Because um, I've not played much i played a little bit more Jedi Survivor I th- I'm very close to finishing that game now, but not quite. <clears throat> oh do you know what I will take one second with Jedi Survivor To say one of the reasons It's taken me a little bit longer than I thought Because there are some level design Elements of that game which do not Jive with me And I've actually gone to a point where I do Find it a little frustrating just through like literal level traversal. Um
0: mm-hmm.
1: I'm at the point now where I have everything unlocked traversal wise and okay. some of it is is fine, but it feels like I don't know. It feels like they were a little bit lacking on certain level design elements. So they were like, oh just stick that there. oh I don't know. Yeah, just stick that there. That'll that work. And it I don't know. I'm not I'm not loving it. Um but it's fine. How many hours do you think you got left? Can you push through? Yeah, no, I will. I'm going to finish it. Oh, yeah, I'm I'm close enough to. I'm. I think I'm close enough to the end. That it's probably
0: two hours, maybe, to finish it. Oh right, okay. In that Mm. case, actually, I was was about to say something that would probably be a spoiler, so I'm not going to say it. I was going to take the piss out of that game and one of the stupid it. but we can say all that when you finished it.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll do a proper like little breakdown when I've actually finished it. No, but um, I checked out a film called A Man Called Otto, which I uh, really enjoyed and thought I would quickly give it a shout out. Uh, based on a book, I think it's a Swedish book. Any uh, Swedes out there? Um, yeah, it's um, uh, Tom Hanks is um, it's the American. I think the book came out in Swedish and then was adapted to English, and then it's been adapted to like uh, be American because um, sort of based in I think it's based in Sweden. Um, so it's been a little tweaked a little bit. But yeah, it's, it's um, just a decent uh, like, character movie that I, I thought was fun, and I liked, and I do enjoy Tom Hanks, uh, and I thought this was a good little film, so check it out. If you're so- nice.
0: That's How many me? thumbs up, Roger Ebert? Two two thumbs up. It was good. There we go. It doesn't get any better than that. Uh, Tom Hanks, if you're watching, we uh, we love you. We respect you. And we thank you for your uh, increasingly watchable body of work, and I'm looking forward to another Toy Story film. Well, Juicy how would you ra- uh, this came up in a, a thing i was watching the other day rank the rank the four toy story films i don't mean to put you on the spot but rank the four toy story films oh god um i've not seen all of them what do you have kids so you're at the age of your kids and you haven't seen you should have watched all of them like 10 times each by
1: now to them the toy story films would be like so outdated like wow. they, when did the first one come out like 99 I mean, or something like 2000 yeah, it maybe been-
0: uh, yeah, late '90s, I'd have said.
1: So the equivalent of that would like when I was born would have if, if the same if you make the same jump would have been me watching a film that came out in like 1970. So yeah, perfect. My no, my my kids are uh, they like more modern animation. That's a, that's really interesting. But no, I, they, guess, I guess we would watch it. We, they probably would watch it. They probably would love it. Um, but it was it was a little late for me for the sort of animated films that I was into. So I didn't have the same thing that a lot of people I know had where they were kids when it came out like i was i was um i think i was like 16 or 17 when the first one came out maybe no maybe 15 or something so i i was already watching more grown up films i wasn't as into toy story okay so i think yeah. i've seen 3 of i've seen the, the first one for me is the best i think the first one's really i do really like the first one. it's a solid film um the one with i uh, i'm gonna just completely mess this up there's one with a fork
0: like a weird spork fork. fork. Oh, see, that's the fourth one. That's the most recent one. So I've seen that, and I didn't really. I I
1: was kind of like, ah, oh, this isn't that great. Um okay. And I think I've seen the second one. So I'm okay. I'm going to go one, Second two, one is. But
0: uh, is Prospector and Jesse and the fat guy with the goatee, who's the collector, who wears the chicken suit, and Woody gets his. Arm I have seen that.
1: Him. Yes, I have seen. Okay, yeah. I'd, so I'd go. What from what I remember, I would say one, two, four, and I
0: don't think I've seen yeah. three. It's three, really the three of the three. aliens. No, aliens are in a few of them. Uh, oh, oh, right. the one with the daycare centre, which is run by, like, this mafia boss who's, like, a big purple bear. No, I've not seen Okay. <laughs> I definitely haven't seen that. No, it, it, it was just a random thought, but then it brought... I know, again, I'll keep this brief, because I know this might not be interesting for everyone. It's just a video game podcast, so I apologise. But now I feel like I have to ask. Um... <laughs> When I was growing up, and I feel it like maybe for when you were growing up as well, to a certain extent, because I know there's a few years between us, but I don't think that much changed in the downtime. VHS copies of like Disney films from the 50s and 60s could still be relevant because they were considered classics. Yeah. And I was a bit—I would be a four-year-old watching fucking Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, and it didn't matter how it didn't matter that there was you know 40, 50 years between that and Hercules. They were kind of yeah. part of the same family. Is there something that? shifted when like Pixar and um Dreamworks and Disney animated studios and uh, when that stuff started happening because there was almost like a slightly primitive quality to those very early all animated films that they like are noticeably not from the same grouping as like the where where animation has gone since I think there is a note yeah I do think there's a notable difference like yeah interesting those early early
1: CGI like completely CGI films were I do think they're harder to watch um and it, it, I think the other the other thing for me is it's less so the quality because obviously Toy Story One's a really high quality film, and it, even though the animation's not right up there, but the uh, the shin number like having kids now the shin number of animated very well animated um, CG films that are shit is incredible. Like you'll start watching something and it looks really nice. The CG is up there with a with like a Toy Story you know like a modern Toy Story, but the storytelling the writing the voice acting is crap and you're just like right. how did they have the budget to make this and then so yeah like, no we were so i'd say like, like my kids it was more like cars 3 um wally uh you know stuff like that was okay. um which is a, like good very good animation like very high level
0: oh yeah I yeah i mean you that, that, you're still talking pixar right which i mean yeah 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 <laughs> like right. mo- most people I feel like some people feel like Pixar started to lose their way. If anything, sort of during the pandemic, I feel like a lot, right. like a the last three years of Pixar films have been a little bit like I, I remember. Before, right, I feel like pre-pandemic, the only one that people weren't sure about was the one that was called The Good Dinosaur. I think um, that some people weren't that hot on, but there were still films like Inside Out that were like very much acclaimed. And then you got into yeah. the pandemic, and it was like there was Soul. Do you remember the guy who? Um, uh, uh, the, the, the Jamie Fox, I think, plays the jazz musician who ends up like, like
1: yeah, I didn't see like that. a spirit
0: version himself.
1: There were a bunch of what, oh, uh, like, oh, say, so i forget forgetting. That, so I don't, I'm going to get confused now of the era. But so things like Moana, amazing.
0: Um, yeah, I think the... that that was just pre-pandemic because Chris and I would sing "You're Welcome" in the <laughs> <Yeah>. office. <laughs> the, the
1: which is the me- uh, Mexican one with the kid who plays the guitar. Like that was really good. Um, uh... I'm uh, Anyway, our uh, character was called um and then uh, and then uh, there's been a couple was of Luca. Luca Lu- no no Luca was the fish one.
0: Oh Luca was the f- Coco was the um uh, the the yes uh, yeah the Hispanic one. I see Luca, Luca. Right. Hey, Luca was one like so basically Onward which is the one I remember thinking oh this would be a big deal because like the two leads are voiced by Tom Holland and Chris Pratt. Like I I don't know anyone that talks about Onward. That's oh, they, they play like the goblin-looking dudes who go on a road so trip.
1: Onward is yeah, Onward is good. I've seen Onward a couple of times, but say the weird thing that happens. So I like Onward. My kids don't like Onward. Oh, weird! That's they a- they, they okay. just, they're not into it at all. Uh, they love Moana, but they they hated Coco. I loved Coco. They hated Luca. I loved Luca. It's it's weird. Like the way yeah. I see things, they don't,
0: or they see things I don't see, and they're like, "This is interesting." I suppose there was always a bit of that in Pixar. Usually, in a way that united families rather than <laughs> split them, <that. laughs> yeah. The yeah. other ones were, um, yeah, soul, which we mentioned turning red, which I think was the person who red panda turns into a panda when they get angry or something like that. Yeah, on the bit, pe- we, we did we didn't really rate that. No, she what well, I don't, oh, maybe what, yeah,
1: no, I suppose the, the alternative was, but the actual film,
0: yeah, I just, I, I read the name of the, the title of the film and just assumed it was a period analogy like a woman turns into a red panda every time she's on the blob maybe I, don't know. I haven't seen it i just i just want to know one of those things where you guess an interpretation and you realize you're going to prefer your interpretation to anything real so you just ignore it you just mute it
1: yeah but there have also been some weird and then there are the weird ones that are kind of like I can't even remember the names of them where they've got good casts the animation's done very well but you know they're trying to be Pixar um but I couldn't even tell you the name oh. I watched loads of them because and they're the ones you end up watching multiple times with kids, and then you're like, this is this just isn't that good, but it's it's got a good cast. you recognize some of the actors, but it's just not quite up there. Um, yeah, we're in a weird yeah. we're in a weird space with animation.
0: I was gonna, I was gonna say the last the last two like Lightyear seemed like a slam dunk, but people weren't that Hornet, so and then nice. Element- uh, Elemental actually became one of those weird things where, like the kind of, you know the um, I don't know if they're actually like right leaning political YouTube channels. But the th- the kind of thumbnails I associate with those YouTube channels, yeah. I saw loads of Elemental things. Like, wow, look at Elemental; it's making no money, <laughs> and it actually made money. And they were then. Oh, I've I've not seen Element. I've not even heard of Elemental. Elemental is one of those ones where, again, I just looked at it. Was like, oh, they're kind of doing the inside out things where everyone's an emotion, except now you're an element rather than a feeling. Ah, okay. So like, that was a water person isn't allowed to fall in love with the fire person. Oh, but what if? do what if they did. I, di- I did see a fair few
1: things like you were saying the right leaning things where they're going crazy about things, not making money, being shit about Barbie, and then it made like over a billion dollars, and then it was like <laughs> still shit. Although actually, I saw a lot of people saying they they even that they still liked it. But, yeah,
0: um, well, uh, Joe Rogan defended reasons. it, right? He's the drew oh, uh, he he said he doesn't understand why people lost their shit about it.
1: Yeah, from what I've heard, I haven't seen it. I think it sounds yeah. good, but it's um he's got like three daughters, and he's not right. He's not right wing. Like no, nah, but like to put
0: him thing. in that bowl of soup, they? I'm. I'd like. I want to see it. I'd like. To, I want yeah. to. I'd like to take the kids and see it. Hey, n- new expression for you. Go woke, get rich. I think I'm no. See, oh they, 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 it's all
1: going to turn around when the Marvels comes out and they just lose like a billion dollars and then never. Oh ready. god, the world will feel right again.
0: I it feel really sorry. I just want. I, I just want to give Brie Larson a great big hug the night before that film premieres and just say, "Hey, it's, it's going to be all right. You're a good actress." Um, she, is. Yeah, she. No, but this is the thing. She is good, and Ms.
1: Mar- like um, Mar- Captain Marvel Alice was mazel. Captain Marvel is never going to do well. It can't because those characters are impossible. Like we were saying before, like the Superman character is so difficult. Ms. Marvel was not done well, like the way they did her powers. I like the actress and I like the show, but I, I hate how they interpreted her powers. And then I and I just can't see how putting those things together. Like I saw a clip of of Captain Marvel fighting Ms. Marvel and, and another person. And yeah. immediately I'm like, Ms. Marvel, because oh, I just keep again it wrong. Captain Marvel is infinitely powerful, right? yet she can still have a ruck with a girl who can make her hand stretch. Like, do me a favor. Like, this is just ridiculous.
0: Yeah. I, I, but then that, that's what those films have always been to a certain extent, right? Is that, like, we're going to have you believe that, for the sake of tension, that there's there always has to be, even with, usually it's in the relationship between the heroes and the villains, here's a big villain that has to look insurmountable for 90 minutes and then have one key weakness for the final 30. And it's been that over and over again. Yes. Um Now it's just applied to even, you know, the heroes and even some of the infighting. And the infighting has always been a little bit weird because, like, I'm not going to wade into the conversation between who would actually win in a fight between Iron Man or Captain America, but if they actually both wanted to kill each other, they wouldn't both walk away ultimately unscathed and then make friends again in the next movie like they did. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. Marvel, eh? The MCU. Who needs it? Not us. Do you know why? Exactly. we got video games. Oops. Um... And I did just want to give one quick shout out to something, and I'm going to keep it brief because it's something we've talked about uh, not just before, but we've talked about it already this year, which is that um, I am, for some reason, rewatching the uh, Double Fine psychodysy, which is the uh, Love the, it. the yeah, the, I mean it, it holds up second time around, so even after the six, the five or six months. Um, for anyone that missed it, it's the uh, documentary uh, that. Uh, were, it kind of ex- ex- explores and documents the seven-year development process that Psychonauts 2 underwent over a double fine, um, and it's a really engaging and insightful look into not just the game development process, but I think the creative process, especially over an extremely long period of time, longer than almost any other medium or art form spends on a single project, especially with that many people and that much money uh, invested. Uh, the thing is, this time I'm doing it while playing Psychonauts 2, um, which I, oh, uh, If nothing else, I almost just wanted to say because I know Chris is probably going to listen to this at some point. Hi, Chris. I know you're there. Maybe uh, I'm guessing tomorrow. I'm going to say Tuesday. <laughs> maybe while he's at work, he's got this on the background. I hope you have get good a message. Day. Yeah, I know. That's. I'll look at <laughs> my phone tomorrow and uh, I'll see it. Um, so yeah, my 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 feelings on Psychonauts two are still um, developing, and maybe I'll look back around to that later if I think they're interesting enough. I don't have that much to add, but I uh, definitely. It's definitely fascinating playing that game and watching that series at the same time. And yeah, if anyone feels like they, like if anyone missed out that series at the time or was put off because it was like on YouTube or not on Netflix or put off because it's it's 24 hours long and you could spend your time doing something else, um, just give it a go because it's really, really good. Um, Speaking of Netflix though, Josie, they've got a couple of interesting irons in the fire. Do you want to hear about some of them? Oh, I definitely do. Well, we know for a little while now they've been kind of getting more and more interested in gaming. People who have, for example, got the Netflix mobile app and signed up may have already seen that they've got some gaming options on there. You can have, for example, played Into the Breach or something like that on your iPhone or your iPad courtesy of your Netflix subscription. They are now expanding that out, though, Jonesy, and they're testing game streaming in Canada and the UK. Um, So how this is essentially going to work is using your Netflix account you're going to be streaming games like much like you did on services, like on live or Google stadia to your TV, obviously this time, because up to this point they've delivered all their services through the app that's been available on phones and tablets, as I mentioned. And this time, because obviously a lot of people out there might have a Netflix subscription, but not have a controller to hand. You're going to use your phone as a controller. Um, yeah I think
1: they get so they've said that they use the phone as the controller but they're also going to expand this beta into um uh PC through netflix.com in a couple of weeks and they said nice. for that you can use mouse and keyboard which mouse and keyboard sounds a lot more desirable to me than your phone because I've done that you're with the old PlayStation games where you could like
0: up your phone to it like the party games and you could play I never had a yeah. good experience doing that I know and even then those were relatively simplistic and I think the problem with a phone is that, you know, 99.9% of phones that are sold nowadays, you've got to imagine, uh, certainly in uh, countries like the UK and Canada where this is being tested, are touchscreens. And touchscreens don't offer the most tactile control-like responses. Nope. Now, admittedly, when it comes to the software people are gonna be testing this out on, that might not be that important. Um, free and Malthus Mining Adventure are gonna be made available to select members in the UK and Canada for beta testing And it's also worth noting that the current closed beta is only going to be working on a few select TVs before, like Josie said, it comes to PC and Mac in a few months via netflix.com. Those two games don't sound like they're going to necessitate a a very complex control system that might have been offered by a controller, but by the same token, going forward, is, is is it going to be one of those things where a smartphone as a controller is just an entry method and it's actually going to be fine and people that care enough can invest in a real controller, or is it going to be a, a, a situation where actually it's a negative a, a negative enough experience that it's off-putting for anyone? Anyway.
1: Th- it's interesting. I think it will be off-putting for people when they realise how bad it is to use a smartphone as a controller. Um, I don't think... I mean, li- listen to me, the engineer. I can't imagine uh, the use of a Bluetooth controller for like Xbox, PlayStation, Steam, Steam controller is impossible to link up to a tv with a bit of a right. firmware update uh to the and then allow you to use that to control it um so th- i haven't got the list in front of me but i think that the list of tvs is kind of what you'd imagine that they're doing this through so it's like smart tvs it's um very modern tvs that can that aren't as um aren't as limited you know in the more traditional tvs and so that's how you can connect your phone in the first place so as soon as they i think they for me the real thing here is. It's not a mobile game like Oxen. I I, the the other game that they're talking about is a new game which um, uh, I haven't seen. Mole Mining Adventure, but like Oxen Free, is pretty straightforward. It's kind of simple, but is a proper game. And as soon as that they can prove that that works, um, in their ecosystem, streaming straight to a TV, I think getting the controller situation sorted is gotta be one of the easier things to solve um surely the streaming in the first place is the thing because surely the like the data rate is uh you know what they're out of the gate the latency and things like that as soon as they've done that through the testing if they're happy with all that or with all of that you've got to assume that the controller thing is going to be relatively straightforward um yeah even if it comes down to if you don't own a controller go out and buy the cheapest controller that you can
0: find available as long as it's bluetooth you can hook it up to your tv you can play along like go go get that one that controlled the submarine that imploded with the nipples for, <laughs> for analog sticks you know. Yeah. Um like the, no I, I mate, this is, this is it. This is this is this is your comeuppance finally arriving. And it's I, only five years too late. Uh <laughs> he was well, that is the one thing I have going on my going for me is that we're we're now in the second half of twenty twenty three. So I'll always have that leg to stand on that that estimates were off by a little bit. Um but I think it's gonna be I think it's gonna be interesting. Like when i hear something like this and i i don't know if you kind of have a you know, rebuttal to anything any of my thoughts but it's like i i see this as a, a curious kind of like investigative move by netflix to see how this kind of like whether this is feasible or how many people are actually interested in it and i think the one thing that netflix do have going because i agree with you that some of the problems that they might have on the surface are pretty surmountable like the controller i think having people use their phones as a controller means that someone can test this stuff out for one way or one reason or another immediately and then invest in it if they're convinced. Um, and and controllers are massive investments in the grand scheme of things, especially when compared to game consoles and so on and so forth. And I think the other, the other thing they've got that Google Stadia was probably, as an example, was probably always facing an uphill battle against, although I never necessarily saw a complete post-mortem on that, was like users. There are already millions upon millions of Netflix users. And if you can communicate to them that they've got access to this kind of thing, maybe not at this stage where it's all in beta, but if there's a wider rollout, communicate to them, hey, you know you've got this. You know you've already paid for this. You know you can just do this right now. I think some people will try. I just don't know how many because that's already been the case and already made a lot more sense in the mobile version of things. And I don't know anyone who's doing it. I'm not doing it. I haven't played... Me either. Um, yeah, I haven't played Oxen 3 One, let alone Oxen 3 Two. Outplayed into the breach there are critically ag- acclaimed games sitting in my Netflix app on my phone that I already paid for to watch movies that I don't to have access to movies that I more often than not don't watch and I'm also not playing the games um I so for, for me the the thing that it will come down to is
1: is like you've said it so it's the install base the install base is already there with Netflix it's massive loads of people are already subscribed as soon as there is a, a game available on netflix that you can play on your tv no other purchase is necessary um and it's already included in your membership and you you say where can i play this because you you know you do the thing if you check game pass uh you check it's on playstation plus you see if it's available anywhere you've already got access before you sort of say okay i'm gonna buy it the second that you see that that game is available on netflix and you or or the other side of that is you say what free games are available and let's say Netflix have done a really good push to say, these games are all coming to Netflix. As soon as you is as it becomes something you can do, I think people will start to do it. Um and I don't even think it's gonna I always thought it would be new games, big games like Stadia Utronics will get, you know, big new things and
0: get some really big games under their belts. Yeah. I actually but think Stadia, Stadia had to deal with Baldur's Gate at one point. Like one right, of, the yeah, of course first of the Baldur's Gate 3 trailers was a a Stadia Direct or whatever it's called.
1: Um, yeah, I think that's where it was announced right before the 2019 E3. I think it was it was a Stadia yeah. um, Stadia thing. But if they can actually just get some games on there that become a place where kids like go to play, it will become a thing of rather than do I need to buy you a game console? No, you've already got access to yeah this many games, and it will be entry level games. It will be it could be like if they got Minecraft on on Netflix, that'd be ridiculous. The second they do that, I mean that something like that's probably less likely because I don't know how the storefront would work I don't know how that would integrate it's going to be a bit tricky um but I, I think I think it's the step it's, it's a step on the path um in the same way that back in the day the Netflix used to post you DVDs which now seems ludicrous um well sure. sure. and they then made the move to streaming and now I think this is this is another step on the path of not requiring a concept
0: I find that well uh, that's the thing I find it hard to disagree with it being another step on the path. I just don't know if I'm 100 percent aligned with you on where this path is going yet. I, I don't know if I'm willing to call this the path to people not buying consoles anymore. It's a path. Um, <laughs> I just think like it's not necessarily the path. You, yeah. yeah, yeah. You made some interesting points, I think like the, the kids' angle isn't an, is is an interesting one to to consider and the potential for like fucking like you said Minecraft or you know, Roblox implementation or something weird like that. Like completely swaying the numbers and then you get the kind of the almost the educational piece where kids are informing parent their parents on things and like any parent being told they don't have to spend money on x because they already have y is probably going to bite off their hand because that makes sense in any household um it's just i I still think there are elements here like one of the things you were talking about there was that when you're considering finding something new to play or something's come out and you want to see if it's free anywhere and like you're scanning you know playstation plus and and xbox game pass and so on and so forth and um i still think that's a niche thing to do i people who just generically play games don't do that they either buy them or they don't based on whether or not they've heard of them or they haven't um and like and i i i don't know what the software approach is here although netflix have shown a willingness to spend money whether it's like making studios or acquiring studios and acquiring ip alongside those studios in the case of Oxen 3.2 and Night Dive. Um, like, I don't know what the big killer app is that makes people go, oh, I really need to start gaming on Netflix. I think that idea is just still so foreign to so many people. And weirdly enough, I think the thing that would help bridge the gap for them at the moment is something that is actually, at least initially, more rooted on the TV side or the movie side of their offerings and going back and doing something like what they did with, do you Bandersnatch? The interactive yes. Black Mirror like doing something like that but like that has links into the netflix gaming side of things and telling those tens of millions of people who watched that black mirror netflix special hey you're also like now playing a slightly more involved and slightly more like detailed or elaborate video game courtesy of this service we also provide and it's by the way it's here um and here's our library
1: i think i i the one thing i think um I suppose Netflix have got on their side is they've already got a massive advertising platform, which is their own platform. Like the second you click on Netflix on your TV to see what's good, what's, what's big, um, they can, they could, they could acquire a game. They could drop a game from an in-house studio Very true. and they could just put it up right of place, right at the top, uh, right next to all of the big films and say, play this game. I, I think, it, I think you're right. I think it will be hard to get people to actually do it. Um, if it's not a game they're already looking out for if it's not a game they're already expecting uh, but I, I think it may start to happen slowly but surely and then the, and then the issue you're going to have is is it too early is the experience like you said not quite there so actually what it does is rather than become a thing that people choose to do again it puts people off doing it because they're like oh, I didn't have a very good experience and then they're going to be yeah. two or three years before they even dare do it again because it's like meh not for me um, totally yeah, like it's, it's just I, tricky I,
0: Yeah especially people who are being introduced To something for the first time Like you and I as sort of like broader, more accepting gamers Have experienced a number of things Like we might have a rough first experience And dive back in later out of curiosity But if we were I know I don't want to speak for you But I know if I was trying to convince my parents of something And they had a rough time You know first go at it They'd be like no nah, Jamie this isn't for me Like thank you for trying but no Um, And so yeah Getting it right, getting it working, getting it feeling good, getting that library there, getting that choice there. I think those are all kind of boxes that Netflix will, I'm sure, continue to tick as they go because... Well, I say they're invested. Google looked like they were invested. And, yeah, they did. <laughs> um, and this so, was Google money. And they got Google money. Um, so who, who can really say? But, well, I, I know one person who can say, you can say, because... As you've already outlined, you think this is the first step on the path towards no more game consoles? Would you? Would, do you have an updated year in mind for it's, it's... no more game consoles? What I... I think we can all agree we're going to get some. We're going to get another generation of consoles in 2027, let's say. Okay. Or, so it... or, 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 okay. I, I don't. I do want to put words in your mouth.
1: No, no. I, I think I agree with you. I, I think we will see another generation. Like we're already talking about PlayStation Five uh, Pro. I think PlayStation yeah. Six uh, and next era of Xbox. Was although saying that I think Xbox are less committed to hardware. I think they are, like we've said loads of times before, they're pushing to win the war and to, and to be the hub for gaming. I don't. I think they're less bothered about whether it's on a PC, whether it's on a console, whether it's cloud based. Um, Agreed. I agree with you that, that we will see another generation of consoles. Um, I okay. Given how the PlayStation 5 has struggled with sales of hardware.
0: Yeah, it really hasn't.
1: Uh with when it first came out. So with the uh sourcing because, and the, uh, the stock shortages okay, okay. and things. Um Yeah, because of manufacturing issues and pandemic, that won't happen again. No, no, admit, admittedly, but because of like the way that the hard there was issues with hardware and the yeah. weird and like the weird kind of like intergenerational place we're at now. Yeah. Um, I think PlayStation 6, when it comes out, and the Xbox uh, cut, whenever that is, I think they're going to be a little bit more of a... I think they'll struggle more even when they launch because of people are going to go, well, I remember when the PlayStation 5 and the Xbox uh, X came out, like, oh, I don't know, you know, it gets, well, do you even need it? There's, you know, it's uh, we're. It's going to be a long transition before to, to we get to these completely. So I'm going to put mm-hmm. a year on it. 2030 is the year uh, right, yeah. cloud gaming surpasses console gaming
0: so, so 3 years into the next generation yeah in the middle of the generation after this okay okay interesting i mean it, i i think that's one of the more realistic targets that you've you've given um in all of our discussions about this what was Do my first know. my first one was probably 2020 back in the day i was probably saying it was yeah be some some of the early ones were really punchy um i won't lie uh but that's because the, the weird the weird thing is, and, and there was, as you kind of hinted at in a weird way, although there were other factors that we mentioned, there was a weird amount of pessimism going into the PS5 and the Xbox Series X slash S generation, the one that we're in now. Like, there was a lot of feeling of, like, like there, 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 was, there was a time where certain people out there, certain analysts out there, onlookers, whoever, tried to almost put a bit more of a ticking time bomb on their home console that actually existed um and then the ps5 and the xbox series x came out and were incredibly popular and in spite of the you know the shortages the ps5 is selling at the same pace as the ps4 the ps4 which itself outsold expectations and outside the ps3 um like it's weird like it's weird that we remember the 360 and the ps well 360 is a bad example because xbox has regressed since then but it's weird that we remember the ps3 being such like a healthy generation and both generations afterwards have like eclipsed it in terms of sales speed out of the gates um but at the same time like i feel like some of that pessimism is setting back in and i think you're right about some of the ways that you're looking at this generation and how it's going to inform the next one a lot of people aren't ready for half step consoles like we talked about the other week and a lot of those same people won't be ready for the next generation of consoles in 2027 which weirdly enough already feels too soon even though it's 4 years away the playstation 6 sounds like a stupid made up number and a stupid, <laughs> stupid made up name um there aren't enough kind of like as we discussed with the PS5 Pro, there aren't enough tangible like benefits or marketing, you know, sales points for them to try and tout a new system like that yet, because no one cares about AK and things like I don't know, like ray tracing have all well, I well like you know, we're thrown around too early. So now even when they are properly and well implemented, we feel like we're used to it, even though we're kind of not. They kind of shot themselves in the foot in a lot of different ways, especially when it comes to software. Like we're three years into the PS5, and like, what's your favorite PS5 game, Josie? Ratchet and Wank, like Returnal, Demon Souls. There aren't many choices. Uh, maybe uh, maybe uh, Astro Bot. I mean that that is actually in a fucked up way that might be the, the correct answer. Um. Uh.
1: Yeah. I to think about it. it it is it is a bit weird. Um. Can I take a, sh- a second? A second. A I was second. about
0: to say take a shit. Take like a shit a podcast. It's like, a brave movie. move, but. Yeah, take a second.
1: Uh, I want to take a uh, second to give a shout out to Magni who did a super chat um for us. Uh, I've got no idea how much this is. He's he's given us twenty knock, which is what it comes up as. Is that a Norwegian kroner Uh,
0: yes. It's got an N and a K in it, so maybe I don't know. Uh, let me get this right. Then I think that's like the the usual rule of thumb is divided by ten and take a little bit off. I think.
1: By the way, ten and take a look. Well, it doesn't matter. Whatever it is, anyway, it doesn't matter. Thank you very much for the super chat. We we really appreciate it. Um, but he has said, speaking. of this is when we were talking about a bit earlier. I think when you were saying that Chris was going to listen to this podcast. Chris, this yeah. is Magny's language, not mine. So I apologize. He <laughs> says, speaking of the midget, where is his promised cameo? Um, do you know what he was going to make an appearance a couple of weeks ago, and uh, due to um, uh, scheduling uh, issues. We couldn't make it happen, Um we actually did meet up in person. The three of us got together a couple of weeks ago, um, just like hang out. And so, and we were saying that we do need to get together again and maybe do something in person, make some content. So we will try and angle again for that to happen in the near future. And when it, when we can collar him, he's a very busy guy uh, with a, with a family and a life that he's he's you know a lot going on. So when we can, we yeah. grab him and we'll do something.
0: But, um, Absolutely,
1: nothing nothing penciled in date wise. Uh, unfortunately, as of yet.
0: Chris and I got the same train home that day and the very last thing that we were talking about as I disembarked was about uh, making sure he gets on the podcast sooner rather than later. We just need to wait for the stars to align. Um, it's funny. We,
1: well, I, I did like, so uh, he was saying to us when we met up um, a couple of weeks ago that uh, whenever he listens to the show, he just, he's like, just wants to like disagree with loads of stuff we say or agree and, uh, yeah. and
0: join in with the convo. So he was saying he really does miss it. Yeah, so hopefully it won't be too. Late. He said he gets really annoyed when there are really obvious things we should say or <laughs> reference that we don't, or like things where we have a conversation that would like link really nicely to a point we've made earlier, but we don't make the connection for some reason. It was an interesting insight into the podcast. He, although I
1: thought was because he totally agreed with me about the switch, uh, switch two, and that it will not be backwards compatible. He, well, I yeah, said, on. I said, will it be backwards compatible? And he just he said no, which is which is where I ended up. Kind of going, and I think you said yes, and he but he straight was like, No, of course not, it's it's Nintendo, so um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see when that actually
0: does come out. We're in three of us are in sort of slightly different places. Yeah. Um, I,
1: so
0: w- I, won't be able, I won't be able to find it now, but I know one person who agrees with me is I think I think it was the CEO of Take Two uh Interactive when they were doing their big uh, um, okay. when they were doing their big you know, uh, fucking that thing where they talk about how much money they've made. Oh, this was it, Take Two Boss. Says switch to not being backwards compatible would "quote unquote" break contract with players. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Strong, strong words from a person who has nothing to do with making that decision. <laughs> I don't want to open a can of worms, but
1: here we go. If we completely disregard the bet, the person who was actually most right when it came to the PlayStation Five debate was Chris at the time. He and I think I believe he actually nailed it. I think he even said it will be backwards compatible. I think he actually even stipulated for PlayStation Four games you right. will be able to. I think he even said that, which is bizarre. Like he was he was bang on the money, like almost to the to the line of what they said. What PlayStation? Yeah, said. but he didn't. He did put his nuts on the line, so no, no, no it count much. No, it doesn't count as much. But what I was going to say was, so if he's right about them not backwards compatible, he's going to um, prove himself a little bit uh, prophetic when it comes to how hardware works on uh,
0: future systems and things. So we'll have to get yeah. to insight the next time something big. Becomes- he, he's, a, he's had a few moments. He's had a few mystic moments. I've so given that, you know. He yeah, There's another of, one, wasn't there? That it, I, I can't. Remember was an acquisition. Was um, I can't remember which acquisition it was. Oh yes, yeah. He said Microsoft was going Bethesda was someone. Was it Bethesda? He, I think it was. I think it was
1: Bethesda. Yeah, he and he, we, like we it, just thought disregarded it, and yeah. he and he was absolutely right. Shocking.
0: Good. Who knew that guy? That guy who we used to podcast with is actually worth listening to the whole time. <laughs> there, I was just ignoring him. Um, thinking of things I like of ignoring, course. Jonesy. Yep. Thinking of things that happen and I have absolutely no interest in them whatsoever because they they really don't do anything for me or move my needle in the slightest. Right. THQ Nordic at a digital showcase this week. That was an unfair joke. I've liked plenty of THQ Nordic games um, over the past handful of years. Saints Row. Me not too. among them, uh, but uh, of course, as this was a digital showcase that they had this past week, there and instead looking forward, not looking backwards, and looking at some of the software they have coming up, a lot of things were just kind of like ticking boxes uh, when it comes to titles that are going to be released in the near future. Like, hey, did you know that a fucking Alone in the Dark reboot is actually like really, really not far away? I c- kind of knew that, but doesn't feel like it because... I don't know. That's the power of teaching Nordic's marketing nowadays. Is they're going the Ubisoft model. Yeah, like hey, we're going to make games and not tell anyone about. It. We're going to reboot classic horror franchises. And not to no, they, it feels like they have spoken about it, uh, but like not that many people have stopped to listen. I guess yeah. is a weird thing. Like that's it's actually got like David Harbour from. I think we talked about this before, but David David Harbour from um, Stranger Things, for example, is in that game, uh, right? Yeah, so is that actress whose name escapes me from killing Eve. Um, Like, they've, it looks like they've they've put some work into it. I think the writer worked on something interesting. I think he worked on SOMA. Um, There's some chops there, but not making much of a splash. Making slightly more of a splash, though, perhaps because of the IP um, involved. One I wanted to talk to you about first, I'm not sure if you saw the trailer, but South Park Snow Day is going to be the next South Park game. When I say next South Park game, I don't mean in the lineage of Ubisoft Publish, uh rpgs that were very well received but it's in fact a new 3d game uh that features some kind of like uh multiplayer with co-op elements um it, it looked like it was taking the the snow day idea and snowball fights but taking that to the south park extremes and turning it into a um action-packed multiplayer extravaganza but yeah I, di- I didn't watch the
1: trailer. My first question to you was going to be: Are they still following the RPG turn-based system uh, that you be followed? And you've already answered the question because so, okay, I, I I had a weird relationship with those games because I played both of them um, at separate Ubisoft events, I believe. Oh well, no, maybe one of them a uh, fractured but whole Ubisoft event. Um, yeah,
0: and i uh, an energy for that, yeah.
1: Yeah, and, and I and then I played some more of it when it came out, but didn't didn't finish it. Didn't, get, but I really enjoyed it it's one of those that i i always thought about oh i need to play more of that i need to play more of that and then whatever reason it just didn't feel right um but one i've always wanted to go back to because i actually really liked how they implemented that i liked how they used south park i liked visuals a bit i thought the 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 turn-based combat stuff was cool um yeah but yeah no 3d uh co-op multiplayer sort of thing is not maybe down the same sort of
0: path that i was hoping for with a south park game but there you go yeah like it's weird because no one never would have guessed like that a, a the 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 the, the turn based RPG like that would have been the would have been the breeding grounds for a successful um, South Park iteration so successful South Park game but you're right it absolutely was and those two games I think are really strong like I, I want to say that the Stick of Truth was developed by Obsidian like it's just so weird to look back on that and saying like wow like yeah the, the Fallout New Vegas guys. <laughs> a game. no, made a cool it. Okay. yeah but the weird thing is what i will say having watched the trailer for this is that the most um troubling word in all the ways that we've described this game so far based on what i've seen is 3d because having seen that 2d style that really beautifully replicated the tv's animation the tv's uh approach and stylistic uh decisions this is like do you remember when they used to make south park games for like the n64 and you're like that doesn't look like South Park. It's that again.
1: It's every time they do it with The Simpsons and they make a 3D Simpsons and you're like, no thanks, that's disgusting. Put it away. See,
0: there were some Simpsons games that I liked the look of. I get where you're coming from, but like this is more egregious than like Road All Rage right. or Hit and Run. Um, this is one of those things where you're like, wow, like, Stick of Truth and Fractured But Whole had like really... Like beautiful recreations of the TV's art style. They look like an episode of of
1: the any any still frame of that game could have been from the taken straight out of of the show.
0: And I get that it's that form factor that you know that view is a it's a limiting uh, you know limiting when it comes to the kind of game you could make. But yeah, in my opinion, just looking at the trailer, the transition to full 3D has not suited that game's art style particularly well in ways that, like I said, were reminiscent of the early South Park games of the late 90s um then you cause you just realize that all those kids have giant balls for
1: heads and it's like i mean yeah in 3d that doesn't look good
0: yeah pr- pretty much yeah like i shouldn't be able to see around your head you should be flat <laughs> you should have a perfectly flat egg-shaped head um but jonesy you know, elsewhere when it comes to teach nordic there are other you know classic and beloved intellectual properties that hopefully get um uh, slightly better translated into video games Uh, One that was, uh, I think, confirmed uh, in this past week after some speculation, some rumors I had a handful of months ago, is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles The Last Ronin, which is going to be an adaptation of the comic book miniseries from 2020. Uh, It was discussed before that this was potentially in development as sort of like a God of War inspired third person action adventure game with a slightly darker tone than perhaps some of the other TMNT material out there. And while no release date is revealed, we do know that it is in development and it's being handled by Black Forest Games, who did the recent remakes of Destroy Humans 1 and 2. Uh, so that's what they are working on now. Um I think they did reasonably good jobs with those remakes, and I'm curious to see yeah. how TMNT could be adapted to, you know, that God of War style, if that is the direction.
1: Oh, it's it's got the p- potential to be something really special, I think. I've I've been a longtime fan of TMNT games. Um, all the way back from the SNES days. Uh, and I, there's obviously so much you can do with those characters. They they work in multiple formats. That's, it's not kind of the same problem as something like um, South Park, where, you know, it's got to look a certain way. Like, you can, you can, they've done, like, realistic, lifelike, down to, like, any sort of animation you want. And I think that there's so much to work with, especially from the combat side of it. The, I suppose I'm a little bit, like, how, throwing God of War in there sort of makes mm. me wonder... Um, if that's maybe a little bit too, because I think that realistically is just a way of saying, we're going to make a damn good third person action game. Like, yeah. I think that's what they mean. It doesn't necessarily mean anything beyond that. But hey, if they do that, yeah, that would be fantastic. Especially having that kind of game in a built up city environment like the Turtles are from, if that's what they go for. Um, but then it's Ronin. So, like, is it, I've never read the comics. Yeah. Is it more like a uh, setback in uh, Japan? Or something?
0: Yeah, say, I'm not sure because I'm not familiar with the source material either. I can say that based on some of the sort of the concept art that uh, that has been floating around, some of which was in the uh, very brief um, and very unhelpful train. Very unhelpful the train. train. Handles. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. Who knew? Um, it does look like, like, unsurprisingly, there is a heavy Ronin inspiration, but what that says for kind of the, the setting or the environment, I, I, I'm not really familiar yeah, enough I have to no say idea. that. I'd, I'd have to look up the comics and see what they look like um but it sounds but like it, whatever where, uh, they sounds like a cool thing and like there is still something to me where i'm sure there are some examples out there that people could remind me of that would like also fit the bill but for me when it comes to sort of character action games or action adventure games there's still kind of the spectrum that a lot of them exist on where you get sort of slightly floatier like dmc or bayonetta in like uh, combo driven systems and you get slightly heavier plodding sometimes soulsborne inspired systems with you know very deliberate animations and uh, and so on and so forth and there is this kind of like middle ground of something that is like thick and chunky and impactful in the same way souls can be but without being quite as punishing and while still also having this sort of like um broad and combo driven system that is present in some other character action games so i think god of war was a really um open-ended but also approachable kind of take on a split between the two and as that's kind of what they mean by this and i i think that is still where my preferences actually lie um in all of this
1: i'd agree with you i it's for me it's it comes down to like even simplistic stuff like um uh like can, like combo cancelling or like you know rolling out of a move set stuff we're not committing to like like playing jedi survivor when you think, oh, I'm going to hit that enemy three times and then you hit them and on the second hit, they hit you and I'm just like, it does my head Like, I, I want, give me some of that God of War, like, more forgiving but chunky combat and if you put that on a Turtles game if you let me be Donatello mm-hmm. in that sort of way, yeah that sounds great.
0: Yeah. The other weird thing about that, Josie, is you actually just, uh, word for word uh, recited the first line of my Tinder bio <laughs> uh, chunky yet yeah, forgiving I there you go. Um, do you, do you sure. split the bill? The I thought you were day? asking I didn't know what you were going to ask me if I split for a second there. Um, plenty of things get split on the first date. The bill. Um, Don't do it. Don't no. do it. But, <laughs> um, that, that's a good question. Um, I was joking.
1: Like, no, the bill's not getting split. I'm, I've got I'm trying to show off. I'm uh, spending the only hundred pounds I've got to so pretend I yeah. can pay and- for everything. Don't worry, I'll say, don't worry about it. I'll get it. You put that down.
0: Oh yeah, a lot A lot of the times in that situation, like you kind of, although fundamentally I agree that like no one should feel like they're forced to pay the bill, sometimes you do just want to, or sometimes you like put yourself in a position where you, you can or you've budgeted for it and you're just like, yeah, this is going to be the thing I do. Um, not because it's tied to like any kind of weird stereotypes or you want to set a weird precedent or you don't expect someone else to do something or to, but I don't know. It's
1: no, no, thing. it's tied to all of those things trad wife all the way (laughs) and i'm ordering for her as well she'll have the (laughs) suit
0: yeah um you see those tweets don't you like dweeb colon like oh where do you want to go for dinner tonight um and then it's like chad it's like we're going to dinner at my favorite restaurant wear that red dress we're leaving in 10 minutes you're gonna have the night of your life and it's like (laughs) what the fuck don't tell them what to wear i feel like my wife would quite like that because
1: it would be such a change from the norm it will be uh yeah. If I said like we're going here, you're wearing this, she'll probably be like, "Thank God I haven't got to think about it." But I'd, I'd, oh, yeah, the weird. second time, she would be like, "It was cute once. Don't push your luck."
0: Yeah, you just whatever you do, you got to make sure you play that cool like Russian guitar, <laughs> in the in the background. So um, so that like and everything, it has to also be in slow motion and black and white. I don't know how you're gonna apply those principles to a real life conversation, yeah. but. Yeah and if you could squeeze a, squeeze, squeeze a watermark on there for your Chad lifestyle Twitter page then then we then we're golden then you're done Yeah okay. Yep. um speaking of chads um I don't know I don't, there's there's who's a, who's a chad character a junk rat I don't know There's junk rat's a bit easy who's the biggest alpha man in the Overwatch cast um so- soldier Bro- Six has got to be out there Roadhog is Roadhog an Alpha? No. He's, so, so he's, he's saying Soldier Seventy Six would tell his missus what dress to
1: wear, but no, maybe not actually. I reckon maybe uh McC- McCree right would have would me he? from an
0: old. not. Oh, so, he, isn't he? It, like he, McCree's such a cut that he changed his name, didn't he? Oh, is he not McCree? Oh God! You know, this is me it's, showing McC- on my I played. Overwatch. You McC- No, this isn't your fault. McCree was named. Uh, I think at least partly, even though there are things out there called like Mad Dog McCree or whatever. I think McCree game. was named. I think, I, I've got to find out for sure, but I want to say McCree was named after someone who worked at um, Blizzard, and they were one of the people who was naughty, and so they're like, well, we can't oh. McCree anymore. Um, But I, I think he's called Cassidy now. Ah, oh, okay. Uh, uh,
1: Connor in the chat said Jesse. I don't know who Jesse is. Jesse, oh God, we'll play, how it, see, I've, I've barely. I played together. one game. This I've is watch too. This is me sure. just. Yeah, this is a horrible idea.
0: I should not have invoked the. Winston, uh, the, there you go. He's a, he's full. He's going to be a full chat. Oh, 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 Winston's a proper cuck. He's like he he's a gorilla. Glasses. Yeah, he, yeah, bro. But have you not seen a dude who's like physically imposing? Um, and but he's also like, Ooh, I'm playing, oh, I've got to make sure my glasses are all properly. When but where do you want to go for dinner? <laughs> That's fucking Winston. That's fair enough. <laughs> uh, I'm looking through it now. I don't. I don't think there is a Jesse. No. Um, okay. Sorry, Connor's saying yeah. It's Cassidy. It's Cassidy. Yeah. So Cassidy is what McCree's called now. Honestly, looking through, I'm just going to tell you based on people's faces, who I think would um would pay for dinner and not ask you to split. I think Ash would pay for dinner. I think Baptiste would pay for dinner. Doomfist. Doomfist, it, it, like, Doomfist, you didn't even make him for dinner. He started fucking you before you got <laughs> out the door. Um, Doomfist, it's such a douche. Yeah, do Junk Junkrat, w- Doomfist. Junkrat would find a way to get you to pay for it. Like, you'd, Junkrat would claim yeah. he's locked his wallet. Um, Reaper wouldn't show up. No, oh, Jesse Jesse Cassidy, is uh, a, Jesse Cassidy is a, is a name of his, McCree's name, I think. I don't know how I feel Cassidy. about that name. Yeah, Winston's a cuck, man. I don't know. Um, that's all i have got to say about that. But the reason we're talking about Overwatch Two is not just because we wanted to uh, look at all the heroes and profile them based on their faces and talk about whether or not they would pay for dinner on the first date. It's because Overwatch Two has become the worst rated game on Steam, Jonesy. You believe it? Yeah, like this is a
1: this is kind of crazy, isn't it? Is in one breath it's like com- completely irrelevant because it's we're talking about uh, user reviews. Obviously, it's not critic reviews, but in the other, it's still also kind of shocking about how a game that was held in t- such high regard, I've watched one, uh, could sort of fall,
0: fall so far um, to the point. Yeah. Like, it's one of those things where I totally agree, when you hear the actual numbers which I'll get to in a second, you realise that this is less indicative of like what a total community think of a game. in ge- It feels like more of a moment of backlash, an opportunity to have your voice heard, than it does a representation of maybe what's totally going on with Overwatch 2 but it's all happened in the space of just four days and it's actually become the worst rated game on Steam it has just 0.94% of positive reviews from a total of 113,000 ratings I mean less than 1% is pretty shocking but on the flip side Jonesy as I mentioned in terms of why that might be kind of like a a bit of a not a cry for help but an opportunity to protest while still playing something that uh, a game that people are fundamentally invested in it is still 30th In most played average concurrence, with just over 40,000 on Steam. I'm sure there's a world in which Blizzard are disappointed that they just cracked the top 30, given what Overwatch was like at various points in its history, as you mentioned. But at the same time, if 40,000 people are playing your game and less than 1% of the people who have bothered to review it think it's positive or give it a positive review, then maybe you're doing something right. Yeah. On the, just you're doing another number of things very
1: wrong. It's that thing that two, two things can be true at the same time, right? You you can absolutely leave a negative review, say that you're disappointed in the way that they dropped certain elements of the game that they said they were going to have. You can be disappointed that it's not really a sequel and it is more like an, an add-on, you know, I've watched two. It's not the sequel that a lot of us wanted. Um, a lot of what they've done does seem kind of, like um, just not enough, not enough for a sequel. And then, to, yeah. but then at the same time to go free to play, which should be a good thing, um, you can see how it's just rubbed a lot of people up the wrong way. It's the whole ex- the whole thing, the whole experience, the whole handling of the fans. It's been negative. That mm. doesn't actually stop you thinking. All of that doesn't then stop you saying, "Well, hold on, I'm getting to play the best version of Overwatch one, which is now Overwatch two uh, for free on Steam, and still enjoy that." You know the the the, the slick gameplay, um, how how fun that game can be to play! Some of the times you know, playing in some of those matches where you just you know you can have an amazing time, you can have a fantastic time with Overwatch too. Yeah, um, as still true uh, of the game. Yeah, so that's what forty thousand people obviously agree because that, that's the average that they've managed in the last week.
0: early like you're absolutely right in that sort of like the fundamentals or most of the fundamentals of what people would consider the core Overwatch experience are still there. And still readily available, and more available than they ever have been before, considering the fact that it's free. But you're right that a lot of the decisions made in that uh, free-to-play model have been really poorly received. I remember there was one thing they probably corrected this in some to some degree, because this was months ago, but there was a charm that you could get. You know how people uh, games had charms that almost like dangle off the side of guns. Yeah, there was a charm that you could get in Overwatch Two that because of the way the currencies worked and what what you had to spend to get enough available currency to buy this item in game, it worked out that the digital version of this charm that would hang off your gun was more expensive than a real world, real life version of this charm that you could buy just on like the Blizzard store, which I feel like when you're getting to that degree, um, you're in uh, troubled waters that um, I pulled out some Uh, reviews here that have been popping off on steam lately one person said the people who make overwatch porn work harder than the people who make overwatch (laughs) that's great yeah another one taps into a lot of what you were saying about kind of people feel like they were being um uh believing or buying into promises that blizzard were unable to keep they said quote they should make a sequel that includes the whole pve experience we were promised with skill trees and then call it overwatch 2 um, that, uh, as we kind of been hinting at, taps into some of the frustration around the cancelled hero mode, which was going to be a PvE experience, um, and was, I think, arguably at one point in time, certainly when we were looking at the game prior to release and looking at what Overwatch 2 was going to be Jonesy, we kept picking that out as like the one thing that was going to make it different or stand apart from Overwatch 1. Make it a sequel. Like, like, that, was, that was what they needed just to make it a sequel. Very well said. And yeah. then it cancelled it, and now there are smaller PvE missions activities, but those have also been paywalled as a result of you know the aforementioned free play model and some of the extensions of it that have not been well received, which is another thing that fans are obviously less than happy about.
1: I would go so far as to say that if they'd have if they'd have done something like if they'd have instead of calling it Overwatch Two, if they'd have called it Overwatch Definitive. Have said it was going free to play and it was gonna be going onto Steam. And they never talked about Overwatch 2. And they said, We're adding a bunch of new characters, we're adding new maps, new play modes, um, and we're gonna put we're gonna add in some additional uh, payable content. I think you end up with a completely different reaction from from the fans. I think you end up with people saying, Oh wow, that's a great idea. What a what a good way to reinvigorate um Overwatch. But I think because they came out with all these promises, um, called it Overwatch 2 and then completely flubbed it. Yeah. Uh, I think that's what's that's what's gone on. It's it's more of like a PR failing um to me than than, you know, anything get else. that
0: especially because like as I kind of hinted at that, then you can go back to the very first mentions of the words or the term Overwatch Two and find people like us and plenty of others who were like, what does that even mean? How do they justify that? Um and I it makes you wonder if they ever really had those answers. Um yeah. And yeah, I think the fact that they kind of like flubbed their lines on that front, while also I think, you know, poorly handling the transition to the free-to-play model and poorly handling, by the sounds of things, lots of other things, not just to do with the way the game is monetized, but with some elements of the way they've rolled out content, the way they've maintained content between the two versions of the game. Like, yeah, it's a weird one. It's a weird one because there is a world out there where you don't know about any of this shit. You don't pay that much attention to stuff. You feel like you want to play Overwatch, so you jump on a PC or a console, you download Overwatch 2 for free, and you just play a game that is very reminiscent, maybe even too reminiscent, but that's a whole other story, of the game that you played seven years ago and had a good time with. But for the more engaged and expectant um, and eager Overwatch community, there have been a lot of missteps um, that make you wonder... um, what the future looks like for Overwatch and for Blizzard, especially now, you know, under new ownership. Yeah. You know, is that, is do they, do they look, do they, I, I I'd, be, I'd be very interested to see what, where things go from here. Whether it's just a case of maintaining and hoping to improve Overwatch 2 over time, or whether there are elements in other places that have gone back to the drawing board, or if there are blueprints for something bigger and better in the future that Microsoft enables them to do now, um, with the new parent company. Who could say, um, Blizzard just still feel like they're in a weird spot though. Like even Diablo Four felt like it brought them like one month of goodwill that was immediately replaced by uh, one month of bad, like like unhappy people. Um, once season one rolled out.
1: Yeah, it, it, it's, a, it's a real shame. It's a real shame, like through and through. Like, I'm I'm glad people are still playing it. and there's still fun to be had. Um, but yeah, it it sucks that was shit state they're in. And a company like Blizzard, do you know, do can make very good games. Uh, are in a sort of bit of a sorry state, but I think the worst thing they did the whole thing was uh, closing down the servers for Overwatch One. Um, was the thing that put the nail in the coffin for ruining the prospects of Overwatch Two because it was a you have to play this game, and then yeah. it, and then every failing of it, it was then a sort of a slap in the face. Whereas if they'd have, like I said, if they'd have just said, "Oh, we're migrating to new servers," and it's free to play and because yeah. it's, it's so hard to imagine the reason they didn't do that was because they wanted they didn't want people they wanted people to start again with like you know upgrading characters and getting new stuff and getting cosmetics and all of that Cause i'm i'm guessing
0: none of that carried over because it's a new game i'm not sure i think some of it did okay because i because i remember the the when i first played overwatch 2 the Character or like profile transfer system was like really fucked up, and I was like, "Where's all my stuff?" Uh, but I think a lot of that stuff did cross over. Try i think, because I have i played it. Did I do
1: that? I played it a couple of times. Now maybe you're right. Maybe I think, it did. I, I, never, play, I, I never played it enough to care. No, me either. I I, spent, I put quite a lot of time into Overwatch one, but I've watched. I think I yeah. like
0: maybe five or six
1: games, and I was out.
0: Totally. Yeah, million, I think I put two, two, two nights on it, and then I was like, "Okay, that's Overwatch." two <laughs> yeah overwatch three mate it's all gonna be fixed don't worry uh i can't wait to see what the fucking elevator pitch for that is and what promises they make um and how people are to believe them um i'll make a promise to you jersey yeah and then here's the best part i'm gonna make goodness promise straight away i promise that the podcast is over now
1: oh that's a bad you promise I don't want well, the promise. What's a bad, what would you call a bad promise? A threat. <laughs> <That's> like, <laughs> I guess so.
0: Yeah. But this is actually, if you think about it, it's a good promise because here's the thing about the Super Show podcast. We're 175 episodes deep. And the thing, the thing about podcasts is you don't get the new episode unless the old episode ends. So it's for as strange. much fun as you're having watching or listening to this, for as much fun as you, Josie, are having participating in this, the fun we're having has to stop to enable the fun to start up again this time next week in all the same places at all the same times. And that's the promise that we make to the folks at home, that if they liked this, they can tune back in and have just as much fun, if not more so, for episode 176. In the meantime, though, Jonesy, thank you very much um, for joining me on this uh, wonderful adventure through the past week of video games. You've been great. Thank you for
1: uh hosting, doing a fantastic job as always. Um, thank you to everyone who's joined us as well in the chat. All of you uh live chatting and I've been I can see you all live chatting away as we've been
0: talking. Very nice. Yeah, shout out to everyone in the chat and of course shout out to everyone watching or listening to this after the fact, whether you're doing so on YouTube, whether you're doing so on a podcasting platform. Hello. We hope you enjoyed yourself. And once again, if you feel like heading over to patreon.com forward slash super show and pledging to help keep this show on the road then that would be much appreciated and helps guarantee that there will be a next week every week to come that there's always going to be a goodbye until next week until the time when we say goodbye and there's not next week and then the podcast is over um uh, yeah um but that's not that's not this week that's not this week that's another one the future stay tuned for the end of the super show in know as yet unspecified week to come but until then Thank you for watching and or listening, and we'll see you next time. Cheers, everyone. See ya. Bye.